Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. This is the Business Day Spotlight, your destination for African business made simple. My name is Muriwa Gavaza, and for today, we do get into um, further conversations around the budget, further conversations about energy, and uh, we're going to be talking to the team over at Y Solar. They are a company that is specializing, you know, in solar products, and we thought this would be quite a great conversation, um, you know, to have uh, following the chat that we had with uh, Shell um, on Friday uh, because Shell was giving their view you know of uh, the budget and it's really been great getting a view from energy players in the market because energy is such a big issue at the moment so today we're continuing with that theme and we are joined by Tonye Irims um, who is uh, the founder and CEO of Y Solar and we're going to be having the solar part of the conversation because uh, right now when it comes to backup power or alternative power, renewable energy, uh, solar has really become a go-to for a lot of people. The cost of uh, PV has come down. And uh, right now, you know, we see a lot of players, you know, now competing in the market, government coming to the table with some incentives. And we're going to be just having that conversation around what it means. And on the practical level, does it really make things a little bit more accessible? Tonye, greetings to you today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I think maybe a good place for us to start, uh, you know, before we dive into the budget and, you know, some of the incentives that are coming out from National Treasury. Why solar? Um, a little bit of insight uh, for those that are yet to work with you guys. Okay, so we solar is a, is a solar electricity company. Um, okay, so we've now transitioned into an on-demand um, electricity, solar electricity company. And on, by on-demand, what I mean is that we're trying to look into a prepaid um, system where people buy prepaid solar on-demand. So basically, you purchase your token and then get your kilowatt hour. And once that is expired, you can recharge your token again. Um, it's more like a solar as a service where you don't have to put out money up front to buy the entire um, equipment. Um, you just get into your house, solar electricity is already um, pre-installed and all you do is just pay per kilowatt hour and get you get your power as, as required. So we started in 2016 uh, and um, I, I guess back then solar electricity wasn't as popular as it is now. And we figured the first thing we had to do was probably, you know, educate the, the, the market and uh, so what we did then was we broke down solar electricity into understandable packages uh, so people could understand how the packages um, worked and they wouldn't have to, you know, do a lot of mental mathematics as, as opposed to what they had to, you know, put in their homes or how much, um, what capacity required and how much load and all, all of that stuff. So we broke them into, into packages. And um, what we did right after that, because... After we broke that broke it into packages, we realized that there's another problem that people had, which is not everyone could uh, could afford solar electricity cash in, in their homes. So what we did was we went ahead and uh, had an integrated partnership with NetBank in order for us to make this available via credit as well. So that option became available in uh, in 2020, uh, where we started offering credits credit facilities, uh, as well as cash, you know, to 
obtain solar electricity in your homes. But um, then again, as we as we proceeded with that with that uh, with that process, uh, there was another problem. Not everybody qualified for, for credit. Um, <laughs> yeah, some of them found the interest rates to be high, too high. Uh, some of them found the interest, um, some of them just wouldn't qualify because either they had adverse credit listings or, or, or things like that. So, you know, that was not the problem. So we said, okay, look, how about we do this? How about we actually install or remove all of that inconvenience, uh, you know, from um, solar users and homeowners. And we actually have homes already with solar electricity baked in so they don't have to go into the marketplace and with all that confusion, try to know which installer they're going to use, are they going to qualify for credit, do they have cash up front and all of that, you know, I just have it in their home. So once you go in, you already have prepaid solar electricity and you just buy per kilowatt hour and that is it. It removes all of that inconvenience. So that's where we're at right now. That's why I said we've now transitioned into an on-demand solar electricity company. And um, uh, I think just a quick one uh, before, uh, you know, apologies for intervening like that. It's two things, you know, as you're talking that, uh, that uh, what you call this, that are uh, rising up in me as curiosities. The first one is, what does your footprint look like in the country? And then the second piece is uh, around... Um, the pre-installation of solar does that mean you are having um, you have agreements in place with developers to sort of uh, install solar at the utility level as buildings are being built are you doing you know retrofittings of buildings like how does you know those two things yeah so we, we can actually put this in um, newly built homes uh, in already built homes um, as far as footprint, we have a national footprint. Um, we have a deal with Hamilton Estates, you know, going forward to install um, five megawatts of um, of prepaid solar electricity power. But over the next um, four years, we're looking at about 80 megawatts, uh, which is equal to about over 10,000 homes that will have this prepaid solar electricity, you know, already already. So the agreements will be between us and developers, but the actual PPAs will be between us and the homeowners. Uh, even though the developers are the ones that will actually, actually, you know, sign the probably letter of intent or whatever for us to actually deploy these into their residential estates and affordable, affordable homes or affordable housing. So um, pretty much that's how the model works. So um, like I said, um, the homeowners are not, you know, taking on any liability. I mean. The, the the purchasing and all the the debt is carried by by we solar basically and they just you know pay per kilowatt hour for 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 this so that's um, the way it's going to work basically do you guys still have netbank on board um the reason i ask is because you said that you guys had had a transition and i can imagine that you know because of that transition from the the credit facility to now um offering it as a, as an on demand service that there might be a slightly different, you know, financing model for you guys on the back end. So has NetBank stayed on board or have you guys, you know, gone and, you know, found other um, financing partners um, in the background? Yeah, so we're using other financing partners for that, um, for the green digital utility model, um, not NetBank. NetBank, I'll work with us just for financing, for solar financing, where, you know, they just finance so that they get their, their money plus interest over 72 months. 
But with the the other model is actually uh, up to a twenty five year PPA, and we have different financing partners for that for that debt facility. That's actually a very interesting one. I would be keen to maybe uh, getting an understanding from your end how people have, uh, I guess, reacted or taken up uh, these different options because the fact that you what you what you call this you you get into the market you're seeing the opportunity but as you continue doing business you're seeing all of these other little nuanced gaps that you're now trying to attack um you're still doing the you're still doing the the credit piece you're not doing the on-demand piece um yeah so i'm just interested to understand how uh, people have taken up the the on-demand part of things has become more popular or do people still want to have ownership quote-unquote of the equipment how have those dynamics played out um okay so some people want to own the equipment um but i I think as time goes on um a lot of people will probably you know tilt towards the the on-demand side uh the reason i say this is because you know the, the, it's actually a generation thing. So, the the Uber the Uber the Uber generation, you know, uh, and Generation Z that's coming online will prefer the on demand. They, they're not about buying equipments and all of that stuff. Probably um, your um, Generation X, you know, and um, the the one before will probably want to own equipments and stuff. But the new generation are not about owning equipment. So, I mean, you can, you can see that with um, basically how, how, what they do with Netflix and all of that. They, they're not really about owning stuff. And, and even with vehicles, they, they want to just push a button and um, things work. Uh, they don't want to cater for repairs and um, maintenance and all of that stuff. So I think with time, you know, the equipment, owning ownership of the equipment will, will probably fall away somewhat and people just rather want you know power right in their houses and don't want to worry about you know all those little things you know it's very interesting that uh, you are explaining things from that point of view because um we've had a lot of people on this platform talking about these on-demand services these as a service uh types of business model subscriptions uh they really are you know becoming very popular right. and where they were sort of restricted to entertainment type of products and maybe software, we really are seeing subscription models taking over. I think last week, in fact, we had the team from Planet 42, um, which is a car subscription service. So I think to your point, this generation that's there is is likely going to be having so many things um, as a subscription service. Your car is a subscription. Your utilities are a subscription. Uh, Your entertainment is a subscription and, you know, all of that. So, yeah, it 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 is quite an interesting point. Point. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. So they're, they're moving away from the baby boomers and Generation X, and why, you know, Ys and Zs are not gonna be for all that um, trouble. They don't want all that trouble. No, most certainly. Now, um, I think there's just one more piece around the business that, um, uh, what you call this, that I'm curious about. And uh, that's just around um, load shedding. 
right uh because obviously when we now get we're now getting into the the budget piece right what has load shedding done for your business because you said you started in 2017 and you said that at the time you actually had to get into the market by educating people right but at this point in the cycle with all the load shedding that's hap- that's now happening what has the last year done um you know to a business such as yours Okay, so the, the, well, now you don't really need to explain too much to clients what the problem is. I mean, they, they just don't want to be in darkness. So um, there's been an increase in demand for for solar power, and um, even more so with the with the recent speech where the government is encouraging people to have rooftop solar. The only issue uh, I probably have with the with the incentive program, which probably was not properly was ill advised, maybe uh, if I could put it like that, was the fact that they mentioned that the incentives only apply to PV, unless I'm not understanding correctly. Because if you're saying it applies to just PV panels, that means you're excluding the batteries and inverters, and um, that doesn't make much sense because it's a whole system. So the incentives have to apply to the entire system because how do you not start separating panels from the entire system and say, I mean, it's a whole mess, messy arrangement. So it has to apply to the entire system. I mean, if your system costs you 80,000 rand, it costs you 100,000 or 100, whatever the case might be, the incentive should apply to the entire thing um, completely or in entirety. And secondly, we're not really clear about um, credit criteria, you know, uh, are people applying for solar loans going to be treated differently to people applying for regular loans um, as far as the credit criteria and stuff like that? Because what we've noticed in our early years is that people had a lot of issues, you know, especially going through the COVID times with their credits and did not qualify based on those terms. So is that going to be a different criteria, you know, for people as far as solar loans go, for people that actually want to own the system. So that wasn't very clear, but maybe in a, in a few weeks, it's going to become clear what's going to happen with regards to people applying for, for solar loans via, via the banks. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe we can take, a, I just want a quick step back and then I'm coming back here uh, because you've identified those two issues. For someone that didn't listen to the budget, right? What 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 is the proposal? What is the actual incentive that government is offering? Well, they're offering an incentive on, on PV panels. Uh, they, they mentioned uh, yeah. they mentioned up to fifteen thousand rand, twenty five percent up to fifteen thousand rand. But it, uh, like I said, it, 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 it sounds like a lot of work trying to separate panels, trying to separate panels <laughs> from batteries and inverters. Then working out twenty five percent on that and making sure it's and, and uh, up to the limit of fifteen thousand rand. I think a lot of people work for for the government as well as uh, solar solar suppliers, and it's it just I, I don't it, it doesn't really make sense to me really, you know. So I think they need to work on that incentive so there's some more clarity as far as how how it's going to work. No, most certainly. And I'm really hoping, you know, like you said, that we're going to be getting a little more detail. Um, We heard, you know, because these things, they trickled down. We had the president's state of the nation and he said we're going to be helping people. 
then in the national budget last week, the finance minister then coming and saying that, okay, fine, we're going to be having this incentive in place. I was actually talking to someone um, last week um, who is in the tax space, rather, um, and they were actually explaining to say that the 15000 piece they expect, because once again, there are little to no details just around how the actual mechanics will work, they expect that the 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 15,000 will be something that people then have to go and claim back um, from uh, from the tax authority or SARS, you know, later on. Because as consumers, you don't really fully understand that piece. You're not sure whether just because there's been this incentive, you're going to walk into the shop uh, or come to a company such as yours and say, guys, I want a system and you guys will take off the 15K, um, you know, off the top. Or do I pay, you know, everything and then go and claim the money from SARS? And uh, for now, it sounds as if the expectation is that people will then have to go and uh, claim the money from SARS. But like you said, very little detail at the moment just around how, you know, some of these things will actually be implemented. Curiosity, what are system prices looking like? Because you mentioned, so you mentioned um, right now that if you're if you're serious about it, you have to get these things as a system. You can't just get a solar panel on its own. You need the solar panel. You need the battery. You need like the 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 full setup. I have a four bedroom house. I'm in Centurion. Um, yeah, four bedroom house in Centurion. I have I don't know a TV, a fridge, and just a normal kitchen. What am I What am I in for? Yeah, so typically uh, a 9 to 12 panel system, you know, should be able to carry most homes in, in South Africa, you know, most homes. Uh, some homes are overboard and, you know, use more than that as far as generation. But um, so a 9 to 12 panel system, you're looking at anything between 100,000 to 135,000, depending on the storage, you know. So that, that would be the range you, you play around. Uh, yeah, it does. It's, it does seem quite steep. Um, and, you know, when a person has a number like that in their head, it makes sense, you know, looking back at where we began the conversation and the evolution that you realized over time, you know, to say we can offer the, we can offer the products, but most people can't afford them. So let's give financing terms. Right. But even inside the financing terms, you know, maybe you know, having an on-demand, you know, type of model in place. So I think that brings us quite nicely, you know, all the way uh, back around. Before we let you go, Tonye, how do you see the, what do you call this, how do you see the industry evolving, um, you know, over time? Obviously, demand at the moment is high, but uh, have is the industry able to keep up with demand? talking to a couple of guys in the sector it sounds like financing is always a big consideration if you're a business that's in solar and especially if you're going to take on uh, the hardware risk on behalf of the consumer whether it's uh, whether it's the on-demand model or whether it's the financing model you need to have the cash to actually put those systems in place um, so that requires quite a bit of backing from financing so um, at the moment, do you see the industry and play? Are the players in the sector able to keep up? You know, with this, uh, with what's going on, um, have financing houses been, you know, on board? Like, how do you see things evolving over time? Okay, so as far as um, so um, if I understand you well, uh, as far as uh, equipments, um, 
uh, imports and availability. Um, I think I think there there is there is enough available. Uh, as far as um, the resources to to acquire them, that might be a might be a struggle because um, uh, in around here the, the capital availability is not that easy. So you need to actually uh, it's, you need to actually have a lot of skin in the game and. Uh, you know, uh, know the right funders to back you up on this. So that that's not an easy part, but it's something that you know, if you had a lot of experience as a business person and um, and you, you've been in the game long enough, you should be able to know you know the right funders as far as getting capital to back um, whatever you know you 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 want to do. So I wouldn't say that part is easy, but it's something that we can do. Nice. And uh, the last question on our end is just around, uh, I guess, the different, um, I guess, the different opportunities uh, that you guys are seeing on the market. It sounds like you guys have been good at identifying, um, you know, where the market is going and, you know, some of the ways that you can innovate. Obviously, at the moment, you guys have taken a big bet on the on the on the what you call this on the on demand type of model. Um, Any thoughts just around uh, you know, other trends that might take hold, uh, for example, in a complex, you know, I stay in a complex and I'm just looking at the roofs here and I'm wondering, are we all going to be having solar panels, you know, over in the in the coming years? Or do we have like a small solar power station at the gate that now feeds into the into the whole complex? Or maybe as a neighborhood, there's a small, there's a, there's there's a solar situation that feeds into a neighborhood. How do you see things evolving on that end? Yeah, so mini grids are an option, but um, um, if we consider space constraints, better to have it on rooftops if available. Um, so yes, in the coming years, you'll see more and more panels on rooftops because that's space that you can easily use, you know, for generation. So that's I guess that's going to be the that's going to be trend. There are going to be more and more panels on on rooftops because there's a lot of energy that's been wasted. I mean, we might as well use all of this energy and um, get to a place where we where energy is secure uh, as a as a country. So that's what we see happening. That certainly makes sense, especially when you consider um, how hot uh, South Africa can be, you know, uh, at certain at certain times um, of the year. You know, if you're going to if you're going to have a hot day, you might as well get something out of it um, in the form of energy. So uh, that's been it. It's been a really great conversation. We were talking um, just around the evolution of solar in South Africa against the backdrop of um, this uh, power uncertainty uh, that we see in South Africa right now, especially with load shedding. Uh, once upon a time, stage two load shedding really seemed quite deep. Uh, but now, you know, stage six has become a normal way of life. And I like the way that uh, uh, Tonier characterized it at the beginning simply saying that back in the day EU we had to 
they had to educate people about um you know what's going on in the market but now it's very easy it's an easy sell because simply at the most basic level no one wants to be um in the dark a lot of business models coming through especially financing uh, because um with uh, some of the numbers that are coming out a typical home um having to be covered at uh, 100,000 rand upwards uh, people are looking at at various financing options so you see a company like uh, we saw saying that okay fine there's credit uh, that's available uh, but there's also this on-demand um this on-demand model uh, that's coming on board where solar just comes in you walk into um you walk into an apartment you walk into a house and that solar is already pre-installed and what you're paying for is the use of uh, the electricity as opposed to uh buying the equipment so you know that's going to be quite uh, quite an interesting model going forward and then at the end they're discussing um what's come out of the budget because there are incentives that are in place up to fifteen thousand rand uh, but we still need a lot of detail just around how uh, things are actually going to work. It's exciting news, uh, but uh, clearly the consumers such as us, uh, but also business people such as Tonye need to understand how all of this stuff is going to work if uh, there's going to be cohesion in the market. So that's been it. We're talking to uh, Tonye Irims, who is uh, the founder and CEO of uh, We Solar. Tonye, thank you so much for being with us today. Okay, thanks, Buriwa. Thanks for having me. Thank you. This is Mudiwa's Take. Really great discussion there with uh, Tonye, and I'm just thinking about uh, how financing in the solar space has evolved over time. Once upon a time, you just had to buy these things. Um, yeah, you just had to buy these systems outright, and then we moved into um, a phase where a lot of companies are in now where they're introducing uh, financing terms of some sort, trying to make these uh, systems more affordable uh, to people by, you know, giving you maybe three years to pay back uh, the cost, five years to pay back the cost. Uh, but that's within that ownership paradigm. Uh, but you have a company like WeSolar then coming in and saying, actually, um, we think a subscription model where you just use the power that's derived from the system over time. Because if you think about subscription models, um, they're actually very smart because it means that over a certain period of time, a company like WeSolar is able to recoup their cost on the actual equipment and then some, you know, on top of that, as long as they can keep um, the equipment uh, well maintained and keep it going and generating electricity. So um, that will be an interesting one to see how things evolve over time. What's going to be the dominant way within which people access something like solar? We do see ourselves in a place um, where you can almost see um, that over time, ESCOM is likely not going to be the only way um, or the only utility in the country over time. You have all of these smaller companies coming into the market. We've been talking about the liberalization of the energy market in South Africa around electricity. And these are some of the ways, some of the business models that are, are coming in. But 
over time, what becomes the dominant um, is going to be something to definitely um, uh, keep an eye on. Is it going to be the on-demand models? Are people still going to want to have ownership um, of uh, some of that equipment? And also, um, some of these incentives that the government is coming with, are those going to stay in place? Are they for a fixed period? Are they going to increase over time? Uh, Because if you do think about it, 15,000 rand is a lot, uh, but uh, within you know within the realm of uh, a hundred and thirty thousand rand price tag, um, I guess you'd want uh, a little bit more. You know anything that comes as an incentive is great, uh, but you know what other ways can the government actually come to the party to help with the growth of uh, you know this particular market? Because over time, uh, these are all the little steps uh, along the way. The more that people rely less on an um, on an ESCOM, for example, the less uh, strain you put on the grid, the less requirement from that end. And, uh, you know, the more you can just focus on generation from an ESCOM point of view and whatever excess power, maybe that can be exported. But at least for now, the simple fact is that people just don't want to be in the dark. And that's been it for this edition of the Business Day Spotlight. Remember that you can find our latest podcast on Business Live. That's under the podcast Business Day Spotlight tab on Twitter. We're hashtag BD Spotlight. And remember that you can review and subscribe for free on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you choose to get your pods casted. Thank you to our amazing team. Our producer is Paige Muller. I've been Mudio Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail. And this has been another edition of the Business Day Spotlight which is a multimedia live production. So for myself and the rest of the team, it is a good evening, good afternoon, and good morning.